great gowns, beautiful gowns. Hi, my name is Chelsea Fairless. And I'm Lauren Garoni. And welcome back to Every Outfit. How are you doing? The bitch is back. <laughs> the bitch is no longer jet lagged. The bitch is back from Europe. How was it? It was wonderful. Very surreal. It is quite empty. It was a privilege to travel. I have to acknowledge my travel <laughs> privilege. I mean, yeah, you do. But they make you work. To get there, like you really have to want to travel with all of the testing, the PCR testing, second day testing, testing to then go to a new country, testing to get back into your country. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I will say that I almost died on the way over here today. Oh, no, not again. Believe it or not. No, I did. Okay. Well, my first thing was that I was really distracted jamming out to Beyonce's Listen, you know, from the Dream Girl soundtrack. Okay, like on. it came on and it was like I'd never heard it before. And then I was driving by the Pendry and I saw the giant video billboard, the giant Ramoa ads with Patti Smith. Have you seen this? I haven't, but we should explain that this new hotel on Sunset Boulevard has basically a led ticker that's all along the side in front it's not of even the a ticker it's like the whole building is just it's like times square yeah you know and patty smith is in ramoa ads and you almost careened off the road i almost crashed my car because i just like was so it was so <laughs> unexpected and then i actually like i actually got here lauren like a long time before i came in the house because i was just like sitting in my car watching the patty smith ramoa ad on my phone <laughs> It's you, you were outside my home, so you were on my internet, but not in the house yet. It's wild because I'm a little confused about the ad because I'm like, the whole thing has a Patti Smith voiceover and it's very poetic. And I'm like, did they make Patti Smith write this or did they just give her this ad copy and be like, uh, can you read this like you're doing like a slam poetry night in St. Mark's Place in the late 70s? Something tells me that any ad copy given to her, <laughs> given the ad copy we've seen just on stuff we've done, there's no way she was like, yeah, no, this is fine. This um, sounds like my voice, my yeah. very singular voice. We, we got a drop in the audio. It's just, it's so funny. We are ready to reclaim motion, to see with new eyes the familiar and the strange. New pages for our story. I'm sure a lot of people are upset about this, like Patti Smith is selling out or whatever. I don't think people care about that anymore. My main takeaway from Just Kids was that she lived in such extreme poverty that's like, yeah, bitch, like cash that Ramoa check. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I think Gen Z probably more has an issue with the fact that she has a, a song with the N-word in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's entirely fucking fair. I did get recognized in London. Oh, really? You I, know, I got recognized too on, um, it's on not Santa a, Monica. It's not a competition. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. In a foreign country, that is like more major than just like outside of high tops. I'll, I'll go first, but I do want to hear your story as well. Well, a guy was looking at me. Like I passed him and then he looked back and I was like, oh my God, I'm getting checked out. Like nature is healing. And then, <laughs> but then he kept looking back furtively like I stole something. And then I got paranoid where I was like, does he think I like boosted his wallet or something? How cool. And then I was like, oh, he probably recognizes me from the podcast or the account because he kept looking. And then he got on his phone. And I was like, that's when I was like, okay, I see what's happening. But then I was like, what if I'm not? Because previous to having a semi-known Instagram account, people would just be like, hey, you look familiar. Did you go to, did you go to college with my cousin? So God forbid. Are you a young Winona Ryder <laughs> or Ileana Douglas? <laughs> so God forbid I just looked at him and, and was like, yeah, I'm who you think I am. And he was like, really? You went to like Kent College or something? But he, he did finally be like, are you from the Instagram? And I was like, every outfit on Sex in the City. He was like, yeah, I love that account. I was like, great, thank you. That's really cute. I love that. Okay, what's your story? I mean, it's not that it's not that exciting. <laughs> this guy was just like, hey, I love the podcast. So shout out to that guy. I, it's seeming like we need to do a West Hollywood meetup. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe we do. Where should we do it? High tops. I was like, Bottega Louie. That would be fun to start doing... Well, is this a great idea or a terrible idea if we start doing live boozy brunch podcast from Bottega <laughs> Louie? <laughs> it feels like a really long time since we've done the podcast, right? Or since we've talked about any current events anyway. Very true. Because last week we did Sex in the City. Before that, we just talked about the Met Gala. We neglected all other things happening in culture and things have happened. There have been iconic moments that we have not yet discussed. So I've made a list of them that I thought we could go through. Well, you know they're iconic because basically three weeks have gone by and if they're still on our minds. Yeah, if I still remember them, I know that I know that it's worth talking about. So Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello, power couple, <laughs> did a uh, Met Gala get ready with me video for Vogue. And Sean quite famously used the term It's giving, it's giving share To describe Camilla's Michael Kors outfit It went viral because it's maybe not the most heterosexual thing to say Well, I mean, <laughs> how do I say this? I did How not, do we say this without being really offensive? I didn't know what Sean Mendes sounded like until this video as well If you know what I'm saying Right I mean, I think we should also note that he basically showed up to the Met Gala dressed like Robert Mablethorpe, like straight up. Do you think he knows that? Because I watched the entirety of the video and he was just like, it's crazy. It's so cool. <laughs> you know, I've been wondering why there hasn't been like a film adaptation of Just Kids yet. And maybe that's, maybe that's, <laughs> and Camila Cabello as Patti Smith. <laughs> that was the crazier thing. It's like, why is the couple share seemingly share and Maple? Thorpe. The other thing is that like Lourdes Leon like also like did share like that was really giving share. Camilla was just kind of giving share. Look as a straight woman what can I say you aren't really a straight woman if you haven't had a gay boyfriend at some point. Also you know what maybe he's bisexual who knows or maybe he's just you know picked up a lot of gay slang from the internet and he doesn't even know how gay it sounds. <sighs> anyway, the VMAs also happened midway through New York Fashion Week. And at this point, I only remember two things. I mean, firstly, Madonna. Did you watch the clip that I sent you? I, I, I did. And it's very upsetting. And if I had a time machine, I wouldn't kill baby Hitler. I wouldn't stop <laughs> JFK from being assassinated. I would show 2001 Madonna what 2021 Madonna looks like. No, then she'd just have a full nervous breakdown. I mean, we're being so rude. I love Madonna. Like she's, we love Madonna. We love Madonna. She, you know, I have such a tremendous amount of respect for her and her body of work, but she's making it hard for the fans, right? Like, she's testing us. She looked like Angeline at, like, the Folsom Street Fair. She looks like Amanda Lepore. I was gonna say Lil' Kim also. I feel like Angeline, Lil' Kim, and Madonna are all, like, becoming the same person or, like, starting their own race or something. Right, and I think for me, one, she was aging quite well. Well, and, of course. And two, for someone that had such a strong ironclad uh, control of their own aesthetics, to see it go so off course in the last five years is, is shocking. Yeah, I mean, she could have aged like Jessica Lange, right. you know. She was wearing like, it was kind of like halfway between like a fetishy maid outfit and then like a leather daddy outfit, right? Which is like pick a lane. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to do a cool fetish look nowadays because we've had like fashion harnesses for 10 years and it just feels kind of like stale. So she came out to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the VMAs. And what struck me is she comes out and says, nobody thought that this would last, which I was like, isn't that exactly what Michael Jackson said when he came <laughs> oh, out? Oh, yeah. They I said it wouldn't last. So for those who don't remember, Michael Jackson briefly married Lisa Marie Presley, who would be Riley Keough's mother. Right. Need that memoir from Riley Keough. Uh, and at the top of the VMAs in 1994, he opened the show, brought her out, and was like, I, I rewatched the clip. It's like a two-minute uh, standing ovation. And then he's like, they, they said it wouldn't last. And then he, he kisses her, and she looks very uncomfortable. But when Madonna well, the audience was uncomfortable, too. Like, everyone, 
I mean, or at least everyone at home. That was also like when the You Are Not Alone video came out, like it gave everyone like full body chills and not in a like Beyonce way. Like I'm, I'm deeply, unco- this makes me deeply uncomfortable. Uh, yes. And speaking of deeply uncomfortable, Madonna just <laughs> was there and that was it. It just, ugh. I also want to say, even if you're a full-on leather daddy, the look is great, but no one needs that hat that looks like something a cop wears. Like, the hat has never made anyone look more major. No, it, that's when it goes into, like, fascist costuming. And not in, like, a chic night porter way. Another look that she lifted <laughs> in the early 90s that was great. <laughs> The other thing I remember is Megan Fox's naked dress. She did something with that look. That was that was major. That look single-handedly took her from the C list to like the B minus list. <laughs> oh my god, that journey. But you know what I mean? It's like it makes you wonder like what other random actresses are just one good Mugler dress away from like a full career resurgence. I think the most famous address making a person would be Elizabeth Hurley when she showed up to the four weddings and a funeral premiere because she was the girlfriend of Hugh Grant. No one would lend her a dress. It wasn't really an era of stylists in the mid 90s. Went to the Versace store. It was the last dress there. And it's the infamous pin dress. And like that made her a star overnight. Like they literally gave her acting roles. Yeah. Because she wore that dress. It's crazy. And also Hugh Grant cheated on her and no one could believe it. I still can't believe it. (laughs) That was like really, really major thing that happened. I mean, I keep wanting on this podcast to do a segment where we go back and revisit iconic pop culture moments. And I think that would merit its own segment. Anyway, back to Megan Fox. Yeah, I'm kind of move over Carrie Bradshaw because I think the naked dress has been redefined. Also, I mean, Machine Gun Kelly looks good. Like they look like really hot together, I thought. Yeah, someone DM'd us and was like, can you talk about the fact that when Courtney and uh, Megan introed Travis and Machine Gun Kelly, they said our future baby daddies. To which I was like, please don't have any more children. You oh, I both- loved her to have more kids. <laughs> Courtney or Megan? And they're going to be so extra that they're going to have like get pregnant at the exact same time just so they can do like slutty gothic photo shoots together indefinitely. Or at least that's what I would like. And then start their own baby goth fashion line. You know what? There aren't enough baby goth fashion lines, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I agree as a genre of dress, we are a fan of attention-seeking behavior in clothing, especially yeah. when it's executed well, and this was executed very well. Yeah, it's all it's all in the execution, because I think celebrity fashion nowadays, it does seem like everyone is vying for attention and vying for Instagram likes in a really desperate way, but this was kind of just doing that in an old school way, and it was genuinely glamorous. You know, it was a beautiful dress. Yeah, and I think whether she's consciously doing this or not, you know, to kind of reflect back what Hollywood has categorized her as, put her through, done to her in a way, I find quite subversive, where it's like, you think I'm this sex pot, here you fucking go. However, I don't know how deliberate it is seeing that this is the woman who once got a giant portrait tattoo of Marilyn Monroe (laughs) and then got it removed because she didn't realize how tragic Marilyn Monroe's life was. That is, that's something else that really like warrants its warrants its own segment. Exactly. I mean, that's insane. I also think it's kind of fucked up to reduce Marilyn Monroe to the most like tragic aspects of her life like that doesn't seem very feminist of her Megan Fox not a good (laughs) feminist what else happened the Emmys happened that was really boring did you watch them at all or did you just see the no I was blessedly eight hours ahead did you see Rita Wilson rapping though I did. And I guess all I have to say about that is we see where Chet got it from. Yeah, but like, don't you think it's a bit of a double standard that when Chet raps, everyone says he's culturally appropriating. And then when Rita raps, no one gives a shit. 
you know who would love to be embroiled in controversy is Rita Wilson. And I think that's why we know it as a culture. She wants it too much, and that's why we won't give it to her. Nothing is better than that time that Rita Wilson was supposed to go to like some award it was show. The Golden Globes. Golden Globes, and her glam squad just forgot about her. Like no one showed up to her hotel. And she was live <laughs> tweeting about the fact that they had not shown up. I think she had to tweet about it just to make sure she got her hair and makeup done, kind of like celebrities are tweeting about like airlines and right. stuff just so they can like get their shit taken care of. And Rita is so extra that the year anniversary, the year afterwards, she talked about it again. She was like year anniversary to the time that my makeup person showed up six hours late. We should celebrate that every single year on whatever day that was. We will. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't watch the Emmys, but I did see every influencer post Michaela Cole's speech about disappearing from social media. It's like you love the speech, yet you learned nothing from the speech. Your first instinct was to regurgitate the speech as content. You heard the speech, but you didn't listen to the speech. You were like, she looks so pretty and like, what a girl boss. <laughs> she did look great. She looks very chic. I think the fashion was uh, really left something to be desired. Not on Michaela Cole, but everyone Not on Michaela Cole. Yeah, she looked great. And I remember Emma Corrin's like where the wild things are outfit. That was cute. I thought you would appreciate that. I mean, she is your celebrity avatar at this point. (laughs) What else? We haven't talked about Lil Nas X in a while. And I just want to say that while I have mixed feelings about his new album, the marketing rollout has been one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed. Like, give him all the Clio awards. This is truly stunning. So the pregnancy announcement. And the fact that they made it a people exclusive made it so much fucking funnier. His own Maury style show. Yeah. The you might be gay question mark. (laughs) You might be entitled to financial compensation. Yeah, the billboards are really good. We need to put those in the show notes. I think the strongest part of this was all of the all of the photos of him with the pregnant stomach that evoked like celebrity and influencer pregnancy reveal photos and baby shower content. Making fun of that is like the funniest thing in the world. But it's the right amount of it looks legit on its own. It's a great photograph and it's paying homage, but it's as satirical as reverent in a way. Yeah. Because I don't think he wants to run afoul with Beyonce. No, certainly not. But genius level, truly. In other LGBTQIA plus news, Elvira is a dyke. Is she a dyke or just a lesbian? How, how should I qualify her? I thought her partner was the dyke. I mean, speak, well, this seems like the plot of Are you Bound. erasing her high femme identity? I'm not. My partner, my partner in life and work is a high femme. Semi-femme? I don't know if I'm high femme. I feel like high femme, you have to have like long nails like you do, actually. You know, high femme is like Dolly Parton or like Elvira or something. So Elvira is a lesbian. Congratulations. (laughs) I mean, she this is going to be so major for her because she's already booked and busy for like all of October, probably because of Halloween. And now Pride Month, June is about to pop off on Elvira's calendar. Like and if she goes to Europe all summer. Pride season. <laughs> exactly. And who doesn't want a spooky Elvira at their pride parade? Honestly. Actually, this is brilliant. Are you about to hop on the El- Elvira train? I've always been on the Elvira train, at least aesthetically. Like, I respect yeah. someone that has their own look and commits to it for decades. You know, kind of like Cher, another gothic queen. Even though she stole it from Vampira. <laughs> Whatever. Did she? Yeah. That's my nerd shit. Uh, I want to ask you, are you okay? Because I heard what happened with The View, (laughs) and I immediately was like, is Chelsea okay? (laughs) I almost fell off my chair when I saw that video. So The View is back from hiatus. They've been additioning lots of conservative co-hosts like Carly Fiorina. Wait, that's not how you say her name. Carly Fiorina, right? Yeah. I've already forgotten. Caitlyn Jenner, who isn't governor, by the way. Did we even talk about that? Thank you, everyone who voted in California. I know we gave Caitlyn way too much attention. But she's not governor. But anyway, so... But Caitlyn is not a pleasant person that I want to hear their thoughts. No. I mean, I watched the episode with Caitlyn, and it was was not great. 
She's a dumb person. But that's what I was going to say is like, it's one thing to be dumb and entertaining, but she is dumb and not entertaining. Anyway, what was I going to say? Oh, the co- okay. COVID scare. The, the gang is all there. They're about to bring out Kamala Harris. And then suddenly they had to pull Sonny Hostin and Anna Navarro off stage because they tested positive for COVID on air, which was crazy to witness. And it was even more chaotic because... The vice president of the United States was about to come out and be interviewed, and I'm sure her team was told that they were all negative. Well, I was about to say that Whoopi Goldberg wasn't the moderator because her sciatica was flaring up again, so Joy had to handle this situation, which... I watched that. So we're going to break? I'm going to... We're going to kill some time? Break? What? What? Okay, anyway, goodbye. Of course, we later found out that they were false positives. Thank God, because I was like, who's going to host the show? Because it's like, Megan's gone. Again, Whoopi's out with sciatica. If Anna and Sonny are gone, then that literally just leaves Joy and Sarah, which would be like the most fucking awkward mother-daughter date of all time. It sounds like they need you, Chelsea. (laughs) I wish. You can adopt a conservative personality. You know what? Sadly, I could. I could. I think that's I it. think that's it for old news. So what's what's what new news do we have? Well, on Monday, the trailer for Paul Thomas Anderson's latest Valley Opus, Licorice Pizza, dropped. Uh, the film is about two teens played by Alana Haim? Haim. Haim, right? Because it's one of the Haim sisters. sisters. Uh, and Cooper Hoffman, who would be the son of Philip C- Seymour Hoffman, growing up, running around, and falling in love in the San Fernando Valley in 1973. However, all I could focus on in this trailer is the fact that Bradley Cooper plays the real-life producer, hairdresser, and fa- former Barbra Streisand boyfriend, John Peters. It's crazy that there's been like 30 episodes of this podcast, and we've already talked about John Peters so many times. <laughs> like more than once, I think, right? Yeah. So... Bradley Cooper was photographed on the set last August, and already the comments were like, that's interesting. Like, he bears a striking resemblance, and his costume bears a striking resemblance to a photo of John Peters and Barbara Streisand that we will put in the show notes. And I was like, oh, okay, so he just based it on John Peters. No, he is literally John (laughs) Peters. So for those- Well, I mean, we have to put the audio in. It's too fabulous. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? (laughs) Barbara Streisand. Sand. Sand, yeah, like sands. Like the ocean, like beaches. Barbara Streisand? No, but Streisand. Sand. So for those who don't know, John Peters was a famous hairstylist in the 60s and 70s. He was the inspiration for Warren Beatty's character in Shampoo. He meets Barbara Streisand in 1973, starts doing her... Barbara Streisand. Streisand. (laughs) Streisand. (laughs) They become lovers, and I mean that in the uh, Petrovsky, Carrie Bradshaw way. Uh, He begins producing her movies, including A Star is Born. He would then go on to produce Our Fave, Eyes of Laura Mars, Flashdance, Batman, uh, Witches of Eastwick. Such an important person, honestly. Um, He is also famous for, or kind of infamous for a story that the director Kevin Smith tells on a DVD about him trying to write Superman and how insane John Peters is. I also forgot that he was briefly married to Pamela Anderson during the pandemic yes, for yes. like that, 12 years. That days. happened. That did happen. It's kind of weird and funny, and I wonder if this is why P.T. Anderson cast Bradley Cooper, is uh, John Peters has had many lawsuits due to sexual harassment, and he is listed as a producer of the Bradley Cooper Star is Born. And so when that came to light and Bradley Cooper was having to do press for it, people asked him about it, and he was like, basically it was a contractual obligation. Like, that man was never on the set. Right. I do not know her. (laughs) Is basically what Bradley Cooper said. He's like, beautiful gowns. <laughs> Do not know her. So, you know, we'll be in theaters. Hopefully the Vista, which Quentin Tarantino bought, will be open by the time the film comes out. Yeah, we can see it there for maximum authenticity. Because it won't be at the Arclight. Also, it's so depressing. Also, another thing that occurred to me when watching the trailer, I was like, why does every sort of nerdy, like white male auteur use David Bowie songs in their trailers? Because there was, it was Life on Mars in the, right. in the licorice, whatever the fuck trailer. It definitely feels like a needle drop that Mike Mills has used in a movie. I think, well, I thought of the adaptation trailer, which was 
iconic use of Bowie. I also thought of the Francis Ha trailer, iconic use of Bowie. And I'm sure Life Aquatic, I don't remember the trailer, but like had to have Bowie in it, right? That was the film where the Brazilian guitarist does all the Portuguese covers of Bowie songs throughout the film. Right. Hi, welcome to Criterion Talk with Lauren and Chelsea. So moving on, Will Smith finally confirmed that he is in an open relationship with Jada Pinkett Smith. Hallelujah. He's on this month's cover of GQ. I actually read the full article and it is crazy because he doesn't use the words. So the entire article, the guy that's- He doesn't use the words open relationship or like non-monogamy. No. How this comes up is- I guess Will Smith has written a memoir that he's been handing out to people in his life and he gives it to the person who's profiling him and Will Smith is like, you're the only person basically that I don't pay who hasn't read it. What do you think? And the interviewer is like, it's very clear that you guys have had non-monogamous relationships and that's not in it anywhere. And then Will Smith proceeds to, and I can't believe this is not a bigger part of the story, talk about the events that led to them agreeing to be in an open relationship, which involved him basically spending three years prior to Jada Pinkett Smith's 40th birthday commissioning a documentary that traced the white descendants who owned her family, and I assume interviewed them, played it for her at her 40th birthday. They get into a huge fight where she's like... Jesus Christ. Yes. She's like, this isn't for me. This is That's like the opposite of a Robert Kardashian hologram. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, what was that? That was completely for you. That wasn't for me. Uh, And then he basically says, you know, we pursued an unconventional marriage. But it seems like the inference is they're not in one now, but there was a period of time where they were unhappy and they opened up the relationship. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of celebrities that have open marriages or semi-open marriages. Definitely a lot of male actors that tell women that they're in open marriages. For sure. I mean, good for them for talking about it, sort of. Although I really need a red follow-up red table talk about this. And that's how the article ends, is discussing Jada's entanglement on the red table talk. And again, the interviewer makes the point of like, you come off like scot-free. And then he writes this thing that's like, Will, Will tells me that even though he did not admit to having affairs, he was definitely seeing, he had other relationships as well at the time. And it's like, it feels like something you could mention but it's like yeah yeah yeah. Jada's out here looking like a total hoe but he is so calculated and I do mean that in the best way that was this his way to market test his memoir and be like oh I should go back and put in the non-monogamy stuff people seem interested by this that's all we want to hear about it's literally all we care about honestly if they wrote a relationship book that would be major it's like getting the fuck you want (laughs) It worked so well for Kim Cattrall and her second husband, third husband. Yeah. I think the one she scatted with is the one she wrote the sex book with. Yeah, that was the one. (laughs) Okay, now we just have to put in the clip. I read poetry and sonnets, and he plays the upright bass. Speaking of love... Lena Dunham got married, so some Dumois goss actually turned out to be true. Lena Dunham got married to musician Luis Felber. She met him in January and was married by September. I love a whirlwind romance. The bride wore three custom Christopher Kane dresses. Taylor Swift was a bridesmaid. I liked the one that she actually wore walking down the aisle. It was kind of hard to see the other ones. I also wonder, like, okay, if I was close enough with Taylor Swift to have her be a bridesmaid, like, in my wedding. Like, I'm making that bitch perform at my wedding. Right. Or like, that's, a, that's a missed opportunity. Or is that something where it's like, you don't ask, but, like, all the instruments around and the mic, and it's like, eh? Eh? I'm like, Taylor, can you just um, go up there and sing a medley of all of my favorite songs from Red, please? That's kind of, like, the re-recording is coming out, right? It's Yeah, it's, it's very soon. I'm very excited. Oh. We'll definitely have to talk about it, which means you'll definitely have to listen to it. God damn it. You'll have to listen to the 10-minute version of All Too Well. Well, speaking of pop songstresses, ding dong, the witch is dead. Jamie Spears has been suspended as Britney Spears' conservator, effective immediately. 
Hallelujah. We did it, Joe. To celebrate, let's all just take our shoes off and walk into a gas station and buy a case of Red Bull wearing a pink wig. Yeah, it should be noted, she still has a conservator of her person, which has been Jody Montgomery, I think, going back since 2019. And she will have a financial conservator. It just won't be her father, which is kind of the first step of unwinding all of this. Right. I did see a tweet that put into words the thing I'm wondering. They keep saying that her estate is worth $60 million. Doesn't that seem a little low? Yeah. Shouldn't she be worth, at the very least, a quarter of a billion dollars? I would think, just because of the amount that she was making from those Vegas shows. But of course, everyone has been fleecing her of her money for years. And her current lawyer, which I heard was recommended by Madonna, when she heard everything that was going on, she recommended this lawyer. She's like, Brittany, (laughs) are you ready? I got a lawyer. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But he made it known that they're going to do a financial audit and he's going to find out where every single cent went. Love a pedantic It wasn't on Red Bull. (laughs) That much we know. So to get into fashion stuff, I mean, this is sad. I don't even know how to really intro this. Last week, Linda Evangelista wrote a really heartbreaking post on Instagram where she said that she had been left permanently deformed as the result of a botched cool sculpting procedure. Which, I'm sorry, I have to say when I first read it, one, because she was married to the former head of elite modeling who's been accused of sexual assault. You know, when I saw that graphic, I was like, oh, she's going to tell her story or her experiences. Yeah, same, because it was like a a notes app type all text Instagram post. And it does sound like something out of Zoolander. It does seem like Owen Wilson would say... I no longer can model due to a freak cool sculpting accident. Well, okay. (laughs) But it is super fucked up. No, I looked into what happened to her and it is my nightmare because I am a vain bitch. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not cool. Well, okay. Can you it's not cool, cool sculpting. Can you cool sculpt your face, though? This is one thing I need to know. So here's the other crazy thing. She, okay, so basically she said, I got this terrible cool sculpting procedure. It has left me permanently deformed. I've tried to fix it with surgeries, but the surgeries has, haven't worked. And I'm unrecognizable. Then. Well, she said, as the press has defined it, I am unrecognizable. Ugh. So... What's interesting is, in case anyone's wondering if their computers or phones are listening to them, is after reading the story, looking up on what happened to her, guess what pre-roll YouTube ad I got? It was for a laser away, someone that was cool sculpting her neck. So at the very least, you can do your neck. Oh, okay. Uh, And I sent you that photo of her in 2018 where she had a bruise on her chin. But she had something called PAH. Which basically what happened to her was cool sculpting is supposed to break down the fat and it goes away. This does the reverse uh, and it basically thickens and expands the fat cells. But it's not something that you'll know until months afterwards. It just, the tissue, the fat tissue just keep growing and growing and growing for months afterwards. It's something out of a Cronenberg film. Yeah. And yeah, evidently this is a negative side effect that no one tells you about. It's terrifying. Well, how terrifying for all those people. Like if I had gotten cool sculpting in the last couple of months and then heard about this, I would be terrified. We stand with Linda. Yeah, we stand with Linda and she's suing Doing the them. fuck out of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as she should. I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but Linda really is the greatest model ever. She has a range that no one can touch, really. I mean, it's kind of like, you know how Nicki Minaj has like 10,000 different rap voices and they're all amazing? Like, that's what Linda Evangelista is in modeling. Yeah. it's She's perfect, and I feel terrible for her. And I hope that... I hope that she's able to find some justice through the legal system and hopefully some bomb-ass surgeon that can reconstruct her neck or we face th- we or think, whatever. We assume. We, we, we don't know what's going on. But I think this is also the problem with the rise of non-invasive things like cool sculpting and threading and fillers and Botoxes. Sometimes surgery is better. Sometimes just get a baby facelift. Yeah. Anyway. The Savage Fenty show, Chelsea, also happens. I know you have feelings about Uh, them always. It did. Hold on. Sorry, I'm opening the LaCroix. Um, I'm keeping that in, by the way. 
This episode of Every Outfit is brought to you by Peach Pear LaCroix. No, guys, we have no sponsors still. Sadly. And it's, we're definitely not going to be sponsored by Fenty. Or, actually, or Amazon that brings you <laughs> the Savage Fenty fashion show. Well, actually, you know what? I think this one was a lot stronger than the two previous years. I didn't like the last two, yet somehow I still watch this. Like, I can't not watch it. If you haven't seen it, I will say that it is, it's less of a traditional fashion show and more of a sort of modern dance spectacle that involves a lot of neon fishnets. And to for the listener, your issue is that the clothing doesn't look good in these fashion shows? Well, okay, I think the styling was much better this year. Do you think that Riri heard you? like stop putting cheap costume jewelry from forever 21 on these girls yes i mean one thing i will say is that i wish like the victoria's secret fashion show i wish there were things that you can't buy in the store like i wish that there were crazy couture pieces that aren't available to buy just so it's more of a spectacle on the fashion side just so it's more interesting on the fashion side Because it's kind of hard to have a really compelling fashion show when it's just, you know, basic shit that you and I would just wear on a daily basis, you know? Well, I think that's what gets Amazon off because you can just go on Amazon and buy the things. Who Can you buy Fenty on Amazon? I don't think you can. Well, certainly at least now for this fashion show you can. Oh, I didn't know that. Because every time they show you on the interface, if you watch it on your computer or something and it shows you like who's in a scene, which is what they do on every TV show or movie, like at the top, it's like Savage Fenty. Right. Anyway, the production person in me is just astonished at how they're able to produce this. Was this over multiple days? How do you get all of these people? Yeah, like the drone shots, like in that that building. How the fuck did that work? I mean, there were some cool parts. Lourdes Leon looked incredibly hot. I liked the dance sequence with the male dancers dancing to pass the Corvazier. I thought the the strongest stylistically, because everything kind of, is what you expect from Savage Fenty was the silver portion. I don't know how else to phrase that, but with the almost like baby doll fembot dresses towards the end. It got me wanting some Savage Fenty stuff, which despite your deriding of Savage Fenty, you have things from them. Okay, but that's not entirely intentional because it is like a scam. You want to buy a bra and then they're like, this bra can be free if you're a Savage Fenty (laughs) member. And then they keep auto charging your card $50 a month. And then you end up having like $200, $300 worth of credit. And then with that VIP discount that they give you for being a, a member or whatever, everything is like dirt cheap like everything is like five dollars but nothing's in your size so there's no way to spend the money so you're saying savage fendi is a, is a multi-level marketing then, no there's no way to spend the money and then if you cancel your account you lose the money so you have to keep like it keeps <laughs> chelsea how much in credit do you have in, in your savage fendi I account i think i got rid of all of it because i just started buying like it was a it was a journey trying to find things to buy, but I'm much more of a I'm much more of a Skims person. A Skims bitch. Yeah. Oh, you know that's coming. Kim doing a Skims fashion show. I hope so. I mean, I think it's really obvious that Savage Fenty has positioned itself as the anti Victoria's Secret, and I know that they've made a conscious event to make this or they made a conscious effort to make this event as different from the Victoria's Secret fashion show as possible but they've gone like too far in the opposite direction you know what i mean like they could have subverted the victoria's secret format just by just through casting you know right just by having clothes that aren't ugly you know i will say it's a little too long also the victoria's secret fashion show like at least rihanna performs at that <laughs> <laughs> do you like that the quote you gotta love the fucking media, and I mean that sarcastically, where they thought they got tea because it was like, Rihanna says that the new album isn't gonna sound like anything you've heard from her. But the ellipses was, because she hasn't started recording, she doesn't even know what it sounds like yet. Well, anti sounded different than right. the stuff that she had done before that. So it's like, who's, I mean, who's to say how different it actually will be, but moving on. But yeah, moving on. So we're going to get into Milan Paris Fashion Week. 
I'm sorry to you, New York Fashion Week. Too much time has gone on. Not enough interesting things to say. So another Fashion Week is upon us. And this time we're acting as if there is no pandemic. Right. And with so much to discuss, we're just going to do a rapid fire through uh, collections we felt were worth talking about. Sure. First up, Fendi and their Antonio Lopez collab. I mean, have they been listening to the podcast? Because (laughs) they finally use colors that aren't also shades of Fenty foundation. It's a miracle. Yeah, it's a it's a full circle moment, right? Antonio Lopez, the the amazing fashion illustrator from the seventies, photographer also, photographer was friends with Karl Lagerfeld, as documented in the book Beautiful Fall. Uh, Lagerfeld was the longtime designer for Fendi, so I guess in a way it's a full circle moment. Although, La- although he never felt compelled to do a collab <laughs> with Antonio Lopez, so and, and Lagerfeld acted like he didn't know who he was when Antonio Lopez uh, got AIDS and couldn't find work, but whatever. It's like, fuck off, Carl. You just don't have AIDS because you're an incel, and now you're judging me. <sighs> anyway, Ryan Murphy, hire us for your Carl Lagerfeld series when you I eventually mean, do it. Yeah, I loved the Antonio Lopez stuff. I mean, he's one of he's one of my favorite artists ever, and the way that they interpreted the archive was was great like the colorful section in the middle like all the pink and lilac stuff and those insane applique thigh-high boots that had like his like 60s illustrations on them i know it's one of those fashion items that i've rarely felt where i'm like how many collabs can we bank because i need those boots yeah i need them so desperately and i wonder if it's going to be too obscure or if influencers are going to want all of this shit i think they'll be too expensive to be a run-of-the-mill influencer thing and i don't think the bags are that great right like i wish the bags i wish it was just like a baguette with with again that same like applique technicolor yeah stuff but should we talk about the fendi versace mashup show that no one asked for (laughs) i know i mean fendachi it looked like it was fun to be at as a fashion show and it's always fun to see uh the supermodels minus linda evangelista of course (laughs) is that how you're gonna start referring to it in fashion week the supermodels minus linda evangelista but yeah i don't really care about the clothes themselves i mean to me it looks like a normal versace show with with some fendi logos thrown in i actually thought this was a better versace show than the versace show well you know the fendi versace show you know when two people fuck and have a kid and like it, the kid looks exactly like one of the people and the other parent is not like represented at all that's kind of how i felt about this like donatella's jeans are much <laughs> stronger much stronger it also is just so unnecessary. It felt like, do you remember in the late 90s when there were just like doubles of movies where it was like Armageddon, Deep Impact, uh, Volcano and Dante's Peak? That's, <laughs> it felt like the fashion equivalent of this. Yeah. One being way better than the other. The Balenciaga Gucci collection was great because those brands have such opposite vibes. So it really did like do something new. But this, whereas this collab isn't really subverting either brand in a significant way. However, because now with two kinds of these shows, this is now going to become a thing. So do you have... Well, it's been a thing. I mean, we also need to mention like the Dries Van Noten Christian Lacroix show, the Valentino undercover men's show from a while back. It's like, it has been happening, but I think, I think the Gucci Balenciaga one was just like really got people's attention. Do you have thoughts about collabs that would be good or bad? (sighs) I know there's so many like potentially harrowing combinations of brands. Okay, so I have one that I was like, this is bad. I was like, or is it good? Which is uh, Moschino and Burberry? Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. See, I thought that was bad, but then I started to think about it. I was like, that actually could be... I mean, it kind of would only really serve the Moschino consumer. Like, I don't know if Burberry consumer would want to dress like a cartoon of like Minnie Mouse in a... Burberry coat but I don't know I mean I'd love to see I'd love to see just Margiela with everyone but I think Margiela Balenciaga would be major because like Fendashi it's kind of serving like there's overlap with the consumer um 
yeah the tabbies would be sensational yeah i mean you also have to think about the designer who's at what house because i was thinking like if you're doing like a stunt collection stella mccartney going back to chloe for just one collection would oh that be, would be cool yeah I'd love to see also like Home and Louis Vuitton did some collaborative bags a while back that were fabulous, but I would love to see that be like a full-fledged collection. Yeah, because the idea of like Margiela and Dior, the idea of John Galliano going back to Dior. Yeah, he can do the newsprint stuff again. Oh, I did think of another really good collab, which would be Versace in Monsanto. <laughs> Go they- on. <laughs> They can inject fruits with enough chemicals that the Medusa logo will just like (laughs) appear on the peel like magic. Would you cop? Sometimes I feel like deep down you have the DNA of like a Dick Cheney, like truly evil Republican (laughs) CEO in you when you say stuff like that. Uh, It's not the worst idea. Yeah, I think it would be cute. Um, All right. Prada? I don't know. What do you think? I thought the collection was great. Yeah. I mean, I mean me too. It's I, You never know what Prada collection you're getting. You know, it's like, is it going to be a wacky one? Is it going to be a minimal one? This one was definitely a minimal one, but airing on the side of like 1960s mod minimalism. And also it felt nostalgic to previous collections that they've done, harking back to the 90s. and you know. Oh, for sure. Uh, it's the first, I guess, IRL runway show that Wrath uh, has done with her. Right. My biggest takeaway from it is that the upper arm cuff is back. I'm into it. It certainly makes sense from a, a buying standpoint, just as an accessory that I'm sure will be $200, $300 that a bunch of TikTok influencers will cop. <laughs> will cop? Yeah, will cop. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, the language of the streets. <laughs> Are you copying Saint Laurent, though? Are you copying a Saint Laurent? Are you copying a Euro trash unitard? As always, Saint Laurent is showing me the worst of the 1980 silhouettes I never wanted to see back on the runway. I mean, yeah. Well, okay, I didn't mind the shoulder. And I also liked the very inventive styling of um, sticking a clutch bag in the, you know, underneath the waistband of a pair of high-waisted pants. Right. I mean, there are a lot of unitards that Miley Cyrus will be wearing, but it felt too many jumpsuits, too many unitard jumpsuits. Yeah, and they're all spandex, which really does make it a kind of like pop star only sort of thing. Like you can only really imagine this on Miley and Dua Lipa. Yeah, and then like the last two looks that were those like mesh titty ball gowns at the end kind of scared me, but I look forward to Zoe Kravitz wearing them. For sure. Krej. Great. I mean, speaking of a label that is due for a rebrand and kind of a renaissance, I feel like this is a very slept on brand vintage wise and the fact that they're coming back. Unless you're Marc Jacobs, who's like (laughs) repping on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, I think the clothes were really appealing. It's it's riffing on the same sort of 60s minimalism as the product collection. But of course, that's inherent to the brand. Like for a cool, trendy brand, it was like very timeless. The coats, the mini skirts were will always look good. I think investing in Courage is a is a worthwhile pursuit. Yeah, I mean, there was stuff that was presented that I actually wanted to to buy, which kind of hasn't happened. Not that I can afford any of this stuff, but, you know, hasn't uh, happened to me in I don't know how many years looking at Fashion Week. Yeah. But then I looked at the Dior show. <laughs> Yikes. I'm sorry. Also very 60s, but without without the innovation of Prada and the coolness of, of Courage. Yeah, didn't the first dozen looks look like they could be from a Bobo Prada show? But like a Prada show where they got the Pantone colors for color, color blocking like a couple of shades off? Not even the first look. I think it was that section that was like the very pop art kind of stuff with stripes and what looked like screen prints of, of animals. Like that looked like it was designed by a bot that had just watched like several, several Prada collections and just made these looks accordingly. It was really all over the place. Well, also, I mean, the boxing looks, it's like boxing, just like a standard 
satin polyester like everlast boxing outfit is like the coolest thing you've ever seen what it takes to fuck up a boxing look is incredible like it's kind of it turns out you just need to put dior vibe on the center well also like the proportion of it was so the opposite of what's cool about those kinds of clothes like it was just it was not it but you know it's gonna sell well I know I'm going well, to yeah, see that all tops over and stuff. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. But well, yeah. I mean, let's be real. The the Dior consumer today is not the most discerning of um, people. It's just a fact. You know, some brands become sad and tacky, and that is one of those brands. So here's us hoping for a Margella Dior <laughs> collab. I mean, she's got to go. She's got to go. My mom's like, you really should learn her name because don't you think it's kind of insulting that you don't say her name? I'm like, that's the point. We never say her name on this podcast. We will never learn her name. (laughs) Yeah, enough of that. I hate it. Hate it. Hates it. (laughs) Um, What else do we want to talk about? Ball Ball man. man. (laughs) So before we recorded this, I had to show Chelsea the ball man, ball man. I mean, Beyonce says it's 72 different ways. Relatable queen. That's like us. Absolutely. We're going to say it 10,000 different times on on this during this segment as well. So I had to show Chelsea the runway show for Ballman, which we'll put in the show notes with the timestamp because 15 minutes into the runway show, the lights switch and it is a seven minute spoken word speech by Beyonce, who does not appear on screen, is not in the audience, is not in the show. Her voice in a voice memo (laughs) is just talking about what Ballman has made to her. And at one point she's like, you know, so many important experiences in my life, including last November when I cast my valid in Texas for change. And we had to replay <laughs> it three times. I'm like, is that her saying she wore ball man when she voted for Biden last year? And then also, did she keep her Texas residency so she can vote as a Texan? I mean, you just, you would. I, should, I would hope that she would. I'm sure she still has a house there. Like, why the fuck not? Well, it was just totally really weird because it was a major part of the fashion show. Like this was when the supermodels minus Linda Evangelista came out. And Carla uh, Bruni was there. I mean, that was major. And I think she, lo- she looked like she couldn't walk in that dress, though. But I, I think that's going to be one of the, the standout moments from the entire season. But it, it was just totally very awkward because Naomi's like coming out in this major sexy look. And Beyonce's voiceover had the tone of like, let's say it's like Ellen's like 10,000th episode. And Beyonce, there's a video of Beyonce being like, hey, Ellen, like, congrats on your millionth episode. I like, wish, that's what it was like. But I, it's weirder because it's just her voice with no face attached. There's no visual of Beyonce. Yeah. And it goes on way too long, guys. I would have gotten, like, if you couldn't get Beyonce to record it on camera, I would have gotten, like, some cool, like, digital rendering of her or something that would have been, like, you know, come up on the screen like God. I mean... Like the God that she is. Yeah. I have no thoughts about the collection. Yeah, it looks like any thinking? other Balmain collection. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, uh, you know, I'll, I'll concede that I'm not that girl. I'm sure it... Um, you don't enjoy spending $5,000 on a pair of jeans? I'm not that that consumer. You know, the consumer that wants to look like a slutty Fabergé egg. Those who want to dress like Kim Kardashian in 2011? Yeah. We've moved on, guys. What else? Okay, oh, Hood by Air, which was actually London Fashion Week, but they didn't allow any photos the images are not on Vogue runway. It's not unusual for collections or designers to kind of jump fashion weeks, but they are so stereotypically a New York Fashion Week brand. Right. So they showed it London, and then as you told me, they didn't allow anyone to take photos. Now with fashion shows, the second they happen, the images are disseminated all over social media so quickly. I think it's kind of, there's something a little refreshing about preventing that from happening. Oh yeah, when the lights dimmed in the Balmain show, when Beyonce started speaking, you just see everyone's phones go up because they don't know what's going to happen, but it's something that they should put on Instagram. And then you slowly see people's phones go down as like Beyonce keeps talking. 
But yeah, so I saw the collection on the Instagram account. I mean, I loved it. I think it had a really different silhouette because it basically fused like an oversized streetwear look with a very exaggerated Claude Montana type 80s like power shoulder. Yeah. And it felt very high fashion. And there were almost no logos, which I think is um, noteworthy. It was the opposite of Fendachi. But I think a lot of fashion insiders, for lack of a less annoying term, are over logos. Like they're starting to feel tacky and common. And I think there's a lot of designers also that really resent the fact that you just have to slap a logo on anything to sell anything these days. So it's nice to see something that is um, in opposition to that. Yeah, going around different stores and then even looking at the product collection, I thought it was refreshing that, I don't know if it's a symptom of the pandemic or what, but we've kind of slowed down the fashion cycle like I saw in Prada that circle bag uh, that debuted last year was still in the stores and then I saw it on the runway again you know the Jackie bag that right. debuted the reissue of the Jackie bag that debuted last year is still there I assume will still be on the runway so it seems like that is slowing down a little bit which I appreciate I guess that's it for fashion time to Kardashian. yes Well, we already talked about Courtney and Megan briefly, but they have recently lezzed out in a Skims campaign. Yeah, I wonder how you feel about, obviously, straight women. I'm sorry, Megan, I don't care what you say. (laughs) Appropriating lez... Is she bi, though? She's one of the, I, she definitely gave an interview when she was in the Transformer films that was like, when I was 18, I fell in love with a stripper and I'd go see her every night. Didn't we all? But that's what I want to ask you is like, how do you feel about stereotypical straight women appropriating lesbian aesthetics? Which let's be honest, these are aesthetics that were pushed on us by straight men. Yes. Like this is a very Maxim aesthetic more than anything. I think if it's well executed, I'm not offended by it. When it looks like shit, then I'm offended. Like, if it looks good, great. Are you offended as a woman or a lesbian or both? <laughs> I mean, I loved the ads. I'm not, I'm not offended by yeah. it at all. I'm glad that it happened. They were also accused of copying this campaign. Okay, well, she was called out by... What's, her, what's this chick's name? I wrote it somewhere. Okay, she was called out by this chick named Drea Michelle, who was on Basketball Wives. She is also the founder of KNC Beauty, which is that one that makes those little gel patches that you stick on your lips. That look like lips? That look like lips, exactly. She called out Kim on Instagram for copying her fake lesbian thirst trap shoot, which also involved cherries, incidentally, um, and accused her of cultural appropriation, which is weird because she's straight, but... Who am I to judge? Yeah, but, you know, when you're accusing someone of cultural appropriation, that kind of trumps everything. Yeah. It's hard to have a discussion, and we've run afoul with this as well, which is like, it's hard to tell someone that their idea is not very original. In the era of diet product and online call-out culture, we do need to, to hold space for the fact that people think of boring generic ideas all the time. And, uh... Boring generic ideas are likely to be thought of by someone else as well. Speaking of boring generic ideas, <laughs> did you watch Kylie 73 Questions? I half watched it. Yeah, I sort of spent I don't have it. any major takeaways from it at all. I have more takeaways from the Kylie baby video. I enjoy that Kylie is someone that's like, I'm not only going to show my baby's face, my baby is kind of the bedrock of merchandising for me. Yeah, her baby is part of her brand and I'm sure soon to launch her own brand. Uh, Kylie's been doing a round of press because she launched Kylie baby, which I guess is kind of her version of Jessica Alba's Honest Company. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Cuter packaging than The Honest Company, I have to say. Yes, and the video launching it is... Is Kylie and Stormy in some cotton candy dream world? I gotta say, Stormy's a wonderful actress. And I more was wondering, because they go from like, obviously CGI, they were shooting this on a green screen, but like... That wasn't real? (laughs) 
like clouds and then they're sitting on a ferris wheel and i'm wondering what stormy's reacting to because she's a great actress I mean, I thought it was cute, but I don't think the look that Kylie wore was giving what she wanted to give. You know what I mean? What do you think she wanted it to give? She looked like an extra in like a Lady Gaga video. You know what I mean? Like the the raver boots were, weren't working for her, in my opinion. Sick burn. But moving on. What is this Kanye documentary that's coming to Netflix? I don't know, but apparently some documentarians had been filming him for years. The trailer for it is just like an early 2000s video of Kanye and Mos Def freestyling, I guess. Right? Yeah. Um, And that's kind of all we know, but it's called Genius. I mean, this is a stretch even by Carrie Bradshaw standards. (laughs) Of of punnery? Yeah, because it's J-E-E-N hyphen y-u-h-s sorry i just forgot to read for a second there uh i'm more (laughs) astonished by the fact that kanye allowed this filming but has according to the article no active involvement in the documentary yeah so something tells me that the day before it comes out he's gonna stop it from coming out it seems a little crazy um speaking of a little crazy kanye (laughs) bought a 57 million dollar house in malibu The home is only four bedrooms and 5,000 square feet. Wow, really? However, the reason that he paid all of this money is because it is, it was built by or designed by the famed architect Tadeo Ando? Tadeo Ando? Don't look at me. I know. The person who actually commissioned it to be built is the person that Kanye bought it from, which is Wall Street financier Richard Sachs, who I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast knows this man as the old man that Ashley Olsen once dated. She loves, One of them. Yeah, she loves an old man. Yeah. So this house was designed to his specifications, correct? Which is evidently Kanye's specifications. It's all concrete and glass and... It's a serial killer house. It's very uh, Sleepy with the Enemy vibes, yes. It probably has a girl with the dragon tattoo basement, if you know what I mean. And you just starts playing. <laughs> we have to rewatch that movie. Oh, it's very disturbing. <laughs> I mean, girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, yeah, we gotta skip over one particular scene. <laughs> Yeah, we, we always skip that scene. Uh, I don't care how great the engineering of this house is. I still believe it's going to sink into the sand. Well, like, that's just gravity. I'm sorry. It's sinking, just... it's sinking into that sand. More the problem of buying any real estate in Malibu is that the, the land is eroding. So you previously had, you know, from your house to the beach or whatever, 30 feet, 50 feet. And now you have like 10 feet, 20 feet. So it's just basically going to be like your house is on the ocean eventually. But he did get it for a steal because it was originally put on the market for $75 million. And what did he get it for? 57. What a bargain. I guess I missed Kim went on Ellen DeGeneres. I did watch that, but it feels like another lifetime ago at this point. The biggest reveal, though, was that she is now filming the Hulu series and that it's coming out. She said that it would be, well... What did she say? It's going to be a faster turnaround, which was necessary for the show because when they film, it makes such news. Like they were photographed filming yesterday. So it seems like they're shooting it now and then we'll see it in the same season, basically. We'll see it later this fall. Great. But I love that Ellen was like, what is it going to be like? And she's like, we don't even know yet, which is a great way of being like, you wouldn't pay us our fee anymore. So we went somewhere else. It's going to be the exact same shit. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be more uh, Scott Disick pulling pranks on on Chris. And talking about what just happened before the previous commercial break over large salads. Uh, and to round things out, coming up very soon, Kim will be hosting SNL. So excited. But of course, there was instantly backlash to this. She'll be fine. There are like much worse people. Donald Trump hosted SNL. Elon Musk hosted SNL. Also, it's like you forget... This woman is an entertainer. This woman has probably spent more time on camera than most actors, you know? Seriously. She's going to she's going to know what to do. Also, she's going to figure it out. Also, people that were giving her shit, I don't ever understand just for the fact that it's like, if she sucks, then you get to hate on her more. Isn't that what you want? Yeah. Yeah. Haters. Haters like Deborah Messing and her rude ass tweet. 
Why Kim Kardashian, question mark? I mean, I know she is a cultural icon. Glad you know that, Deborah. But SNL has hosts generally who are performers who are there to promote a film, TV show, or album launch. Am I missing something? You think she doesn't have a TV launch <laughs> coming, bitch? Also, didn't Dave Chappelle host right after Trump was elected? He had nothing to promote. She's just being a hater. But I'm just looking forward to the Kardashian skits. Like, is Kate McKinnon going to play Kris Jenner? Is Keenan going to play Corey Gamble? Oh, man. There was... Caitlyn? Hi, guys. Kristen Wiig is Caitlyn. Kristen Wiig comes back mm-hmm. as Caitlyn. Someone needs to... Yeah, someone needs to reemerge. Anyway, we've been talking for a very long time. I'm sure the episode will be slightly... I'm, I'm parched. The episode will be slightly shorter than the amount of time we've actually been talking, but not by much. There's a lot to get through. I think we've gotten through it all. I'm so happy to be back. Back in the saddle. I love you, Chelsea. Love you too. See you guys next week. All right. Bye, guys. (laughs) 